At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Keeper podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. There is within me an unslaked hunger for preposterous adventure movies. I resist the bad ones, but when a Congo or an Anaconda comes along, my heart leaps up and I cave in. The Mummy is a movie like that. There is hardly a thing I can say in its favor, except that I was cheered by nearly every minute of it. (laughs) I cannot argue for the script, the direction, the acting, or even the mummy, but I can say that I was not bored, and sometimes I was unreasonably pleased. There is a little immaturity stuck away in the crannies of even the most judicious of us, and we should treasure it. That, incidentally, is Roger Ebert's 1999 review of The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser, and I love it a lot. So it has nothing to do with anything we're talking about today, except that we did uh, talk about The Mummy a few episodes back. And uh, this came across my Twitter feed today, and I thought it was deeply delightful. Alex was going to read this off air and then decided, no, no, no. Yeah, I did read the first part of the first sentence to Addison and then said, no, you know what? Let's actually, let's take it back a bit. Must be recorded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here we are. This must be archived for all of time. Uh, yeah, and so now it is. Now it is, and... Now it's available to everyone. Someday historians are going to find my dramatic reading of Roger Ebert's three-star review of 1999 <laughs> classic The Mummy. Three stars is my favorite, like, kind of movie review, too, because there's just... It's, it's clearly they didn't hate it, but they know it's not good. <laughs> That's what I love in that review, too, is that he's very direct about the fact he's like, listen, this was not a good movie, but, like, I will go see it again. <laughs> I loved it. Like, I can't, be- like, mm-hmm. the the requirements of my job forbid me from giving this movie five stars, but I want to give it six. Yeah. It's, like, my favorite kind of energy. I I was having a conversation, actually, with, uh, I'll just, whatever, like, uh, with Bailey, friend of the show uh, from our Bobby Yaga episode. We did brunch recently, and we had a conversation about how there's such a huge difference. But, like, it's so freeing to reach a point where you can express that just because you loved something doesn't mean it was good. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think that's a very important like, kind of emotional maturity to come yeah. to. Yeah, oh, and I don't even mean, like, in a problematic fave way, which is also very important. Yeah. I mean specifically, like... Uh, looking into a piece of art that is like just ridiculous and weird and not good and saying, I love this very much. I have, I have one... a really funny story about this and I don't know if I've told it on the show before, but I would love to just deep dive into it for half a second. No, if that's do cool it. with you. So um, growing up, <laughs> this takes a little bit of context. Here you go. So growing up, um, we were a Sonic the Hedgehog family, which <laughs> that's is, such a good sentence. Uh huh. Which is such a great sentence, but I, I mean this in the way that like a lot of kids grew up with a Nintendo in the household, and we did not. We grew up with a Sega Genesis in the household. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just sort of like because my father had had this game system, and so it was the one that like he had from the time like I was born and can remember. Um, we had a Sega Genesis, and we had like the early Sonic the Hedgehog games, and that was just like what we grew up playing before I had 
had any idea who Mario was. I knew who Sonic the Hedgehog was. And um, my sister and I would rent from the video store, like, the really old, like, Jaleel White as Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, like, full of 90s PSAs, Sonic the Hedgehog cartoons. Jaleel White played Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, dog, he voiced Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) I like that very much. It's such great, it's such great knowledge. Um, But anyway, like, the old ones with, like, the 90s PSAs at the end where Sonic's like, hey, kids, it looks like a lot of fun, but don't climb into the dryer. (laughs) (laughs) That's a legit Sonic the Hedgehog PSA, by the way. Anyway, um, I should just be doing this episode on Sonic the Hedgehog. We already kind of did that with the Tizzy Wizzy, but it's okay. Yeah, but in but in any case, um, so all of that going into it, uh, in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. there was a Sonic the Hedgehog anime. I don't know if you knew this, um, called Sonic X, and it was it it like showed on four kids TV. Or oh, of course what have it you. did. Um, yeah, it, it's a lot. I I did not really watch it, um, but my brother did, and my brother loved this show like (laughs) loved it as much as a kid can love a thing he had like velcro sneakers that had like the sonic from sonic x like on the sides and insisted they made him run faster because you know he was a child and that it was child logic (laughs) yeah of course um and it makes sense for a pair of sonic the hedgehog sneakers that they would make you run faster because you gotta go fast dream right you gotta go fast gotta go fast so he loved this show um, and it was like available on public access television. So sometimes when we went to my grandmother's house, it would be the only thing that was on. So it would just be like a weekend of Sonic X, which is a lot to deal with. Um, oh, no. uh-huh. or, uh, <laughs> God, uh-huh. sometimes she would like videotape it for him, which is <laughs> like, anyway, that's, that's Sonic X. But all of this is just setting up to say that, um, years later, after I had forgotten all of this, when my brother was probably in high school, I just remember walking into the living room one time. And again, this was apropos of nothing. I was I walked into the living room. My brother is sitting in an armchair in the living room, like looking out the window with this expression on his face that I cannot <laughs> adequately describe in audio format. But I imagine it's how Thoreau looked for most of the process of writing Walden. Just very much like vaguely troubled by concepts to which you cannot put words. And so I looked at him like, Noah, like what? what's up dude like what's what's on your mind and he looks at me and he says i just realized that sonic x was bad (laughs) and so it was like years later completely out of the blue my poor brother was just struck with the full force of this realization that he had devoted years of his life to a piece of media that was just uncritically bad not good (laughs) Just not good. Just not redeemable in any way. Oh boy, I have three things I would like to share just that have been turning around in my brain and then we could do the cryptid part of the episode. Okay, uh, yeah. You know, the the part that people are here for, but yeah, whatever. Uh, sure. Um, uh, uh, if so, they're not here for Sonic the Hedgehog, I'm not here for that. Yeah, it's, I will say also, like, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but because we, I grew up in a household where I, we weren't allowed to have a video game console because my mom rightfully uh-huh, knew sure. that because of my addictive personality, even as a child, I would never go outside again. Uh-huh. Uh, so we were a sim park house, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. Um, <laughs> just three things. One about just terrible TV show I watched as a child that I don't still have attachment to. One about a terrible thing I love now and one about a terrible thing 
loved as a child that I still force myself to love now, even though it's really bad. So first of all, this is nothing. It's just you mentioned going to your grandma's house and watching Sonic X on TV. I used to watch uh-huh. Hannah yeah. Montana on the little tiny TV at my great aunt's apartment. Um, oh, nice. And I have this vivid memory that I can never shake. Uh, she'll never hear this, so I can talk about like the fact that I don't really talk to her much anymore. Like it's my family relationships with my extended mm-hmm. family have gotten weird over the last couple years because of a thing that happened yeah, totally. in 2016. I would watch Hannah Montana on the little TV in her living room. And one time she walks into the room, sees Billy Ray Cyrus on TV, just like delivering a line on a Disney show. I don't remember what the line was. Uh-huh. Being a goofy dad character. And she just goes like with such disdain in her voice. She goes, that man is such a goober. Oh, what? what? He's a goober, Alex. That man is such a goober. <laughs> yeah. Mary Catherine that has is... no time for Billy Ray Cyrus. That is an unbelievable energy. <laughs> oh, boy. That was that was back when she was living in her, wow. her, uh, her small apartment with her very fat golden retriever and her very fat cat who has had about five different names in the time I've known this cat gonna jump away from that really quick just had to share that on this show can't believe i haven't before uh but then uh one thing that is very very terrible that i love probably more than most things in this world is a uh, film uh-huh. you've heard me talk about this before there is a horror film though i use the phrase loosely uh called the ginger <laughs> dead man it yes. stars gary Busey as a felt uh-huh. puppet rendering of a gingerbread man that kills people with a revolver <laughs> Oh man, that's just, he was made. The premise alone is so. Powerful. He was made when, as like a famous like robber, he like died in a police altercation, and then he's cremated, and his mother bakes his ashes into gingerbread. Dear God, you know the most unbelievable thing about the Ginger Dead Man? What is not that it sounds like a fake movie? It does, in fact, sound like a real movie. It sound, but it sounds like a real movie in that it sounds like a movie that would have existed within the canon of Homestar Runner. <laughs> like it sounds like a real thing that would have been made up by a different piece of media. Yes, it sounds like a movie from like the like really good seasons of Thirty Rock. It sounds like something that like Jane Krakowski's character would be called into audition for. Like, or like, you know, on Drake and Josh, when they would go to the movie theater oh, and there yes. would be like titles of movies in the background. Like, it sounds like one of those. The Ginger Dead Man. Yeah. It, anyway. Honestly, the last thing is something that I kind of just want to dive back into. I don't think you've ever watched this, but because it's loosely connected to something we've covered on the show before, oh, I man. think we should maybe dive into it for Patreon content sometime. Did you ever watch, speaking of four kids, you unlocked this in my deep, deep brain. <laughs> Did you ever watch The Winx Club? I was not a Winx Club kid. I knew that was going to be where the question headed. I did not watch Winx Club. Oh, I was a Winx Club kid, and I was a Winx Club kid so hard. And then they put it on Netflix, Alex, and I I watched it, Alex, and I had the Sonic X moment. I went, oh, no, (laughs) this was never good. (laughs) This was never good. Glad to know Totally Spies will never let me down in that way. Totally Spies holds up. Like, uh, yeah. I'm not gonna kid, I'm not gonna lie to you. I rewatched all of Totally Spies like in during college when it went on Netflix for the first time, and it it holds up from, hard. From what very little I've seen of Totally Spies, just in clips since the time when I watched Totally Spies, and would not admit to myself that I actually enjoyed it. Um, I think it's a show that actually gets better with time. It does. There's so many jokes that are funnier when you're older, and they're not well, even. And just yeah. like I think as a kid, I was very much like I, I was very much a not like other girls girl, and we've talked about uh, this, yeah, yeah, but. Yeah. Um, but at that point, just being like, oh, this show, like, this is so, like, so stupid and so, like, 
anti-feminist like it's so like reductive of women but it's like legit not it's just Uh women who are like very very feminine but also really smart and really capable and like having a great time and are just unashamed to be what they are it's great also there's a scene i'm so sorry you got like a fun uh old school or like alex and addison's childhood cartoons section at the beginning but i'm also not that sorry um there is also an episode that to me like i don't think the writers intended this but part of me wants to believe that like one like cool lesbian in the animators where she super has a girlfriend yeah Yeah, she just sees the motorcycle like this girl with super like pixie cut on a motorcycle and alex says and i quote the line whoa check out the intense biker babe Uh uh-huh and i'm like oh so they're in love they are in love (laughs) and but four kids uh not even four kids wigs club I still love it. It's so bad. I specifically, like, do you know how, like, you'll remember a thing you did that was embarrassing? You'll wake up in the middle of the night and, like, cringe about it? Uh-huh, yeah. I do that with a line of dialogue from Winx Club. This is not a joke. <laughs> There's a line of dialogue from Winx Club that I think about and, like, get, like, cold, nervous sweats. There is an arc. I'm not going to do the whole thing. It's a show about teen fairies. They're at a boarding school. The main one's name is Bloom. Bloom meets this guy. He's got, he's, like, a handsome blonde boy, and I don't remember what name he gives her when they first meet but it turns out he's a secret prince he's prince sky okay and they start this is like they start dating and she's like he and he's like you don't have to call me like i don't remember the exact setup to this but he says like you don't have to call me prince sky you know like you're my girlfriend basically and she's he's like you can like what should and she's like what should i call you and he's like i don't know what do you want to call me and she goes like just in like that children's animation dub voice she goes Mm -hmm. i don't know what about baby (laughs) Oh my god. I, I, I cannot I am like, that. I am like fully, I don't know. What about baby? I'm tr- I'm I'm shaking. I'm shaking. Oofa doofa. I I'm like Thank you for braving this moment with it's me. It's like watching a friend you care about and love do something horribly embarrassing at a party. <laughs> <laughs> like Bloom, don't say that. Oof. Are you ready for some cryptids? Yes, I am. <laughs> 14 minutes in, baby. Val, yeah. please don't cut any of this. The people need to hear it. Val, this is the only part of the show that matters. <laughs> don't cut any of this. So what did you bring me? All right. So <laughs> I know that everybody is really uh, honing in pretty intently on the government lately. I know we've all got a lot of concerns about the way things are being run around here. We've all got some... Uh, <laughs> I've got some pretty strong feelings about certain, uh, maybe shall we say, dangerous partnerships between certain world orders and the way that those might affect our everyday lives. And I'm here mm-hmm. to tell you, friends, that while you have been focusing your attention on the Area 51 raid, Godspeed to the Naruto Runners, much respect, mm-hmm. you have been missing out on the real oh. story hiding, oh, oh, oh. not just <laughs> under our noses, but under our subglacial lakes. Addison, I'm here to talk to you today about Organism 46B. Whoa. Oh, that's the most official name we've had in a long time. What do you know about Organism 46B, Addison? (laughs) Oh my god, are you a a cop? If you're a cop, you have to tell me or it's entrapment. (laughs) Um, The cops have the same boss as me, but I am not a cop. Okay. (laughs) Um, Which is to say, the people. Oh, oh, oh boy. Um... Uh, ACAB, all cryptids are beautiful. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> 
I know nothing about Organism 46B. I know that it sounds a like... A likely story. Okay, anyway. <laughs> it sounds very official in a way that our cryptids don't often get to on this show. They're often, in fact, they have often quite silly names like Dogman and things of that nature. Yeah, this is a fun one because it, um, unlike a lot of our cryptids, which are very, very folkloric in nature, this one is much more on like the sci-fi end of the spectrum. All right. Which I think is going to be very fun, very cool. Um, I'm Does that mean you're going to talk about Sphere again? This is like maybe the most Sphere cryptid we've ever done. So uh-huh. I would be remiss if I didn't. Like as, as Sphere as some of our cryptids have gotten, this is the most Sphere. All right. This is like... So- Mo- max maximum sphere is happening the here. zenith of sphere okay cool 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 yeah um you said subglacial lakes yeah i'm interested side note did you see the is this the thing is this the thing that they found that there were the pictures of or is this something else that is the most vague thing no there was a recent like an organism pulled from under like ice and it looks like a little like yeah, white like wormy thing no this is not that <laughs> okay did you okay if you all know what i'm talking about like the amount of people who tweeted it at us is unreal but like oh, i yeah, get no, it this is this is not that there was a mysterious little like wormy critter found under the uh ice i want to say in the arctic and therefore everyone was like hey anybody watch the thing careful uh, uh anyway yeah, no this is not that please so i have a Go. question for you I maybe have an answer for you. <laughs> is 14-legged killer squid found two miles beneath Antarctica <laughs> being weaponized by Putin? Oh, no. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> that is the question that uh, the Express at express.co.uk has for us today, or more specifically had <gasps> oh, no. for us on November 30th, 2016. That's when this article was released. Oh, so... It's been a bit. Yes, I am going to do my best to um, deliver this article in the intended manner by screaming the capitalized words at you. <laughs> a killer giant squid that can hypnotize its prey and paralyze humans at a distance of 150 feet <laughs> using God. poisonous venom. Keep that in mind, friends. The venom is poisonous. <laughs> it oh, it literally isn't. It's only, it can't be both. Is being developed as a secret weapon by Vladimir Putin, the scientist has claimed. I shouldn't laugh. This is serious business. <laughs> this is really serious. Please be serious. Yeah. Dr. Anton Padalka claims he was part of a Russian scientific expedition to a subterranean lake in the Arctic that discovered the terrifying creature known as Organism 46B. This is terrible writing because it was not the subterranean lake that discovered the terrifying creature. So I'm just saying your modifier is dangling. Please fix it. He said their discovery at Lake Vostok was covered up by Russian officials who are now looking at ways to weaponize and breed the deadly squid with potentially devastating effects. Oh my god. Dr. Padalka said the squid, which was discovered in a freshwater lake trapped beneath two miles of ice, possessed an array of weapons and was responsible for the deaths of at least two of his scientific colleagues on the expedition. Giving details which sounded like the script of a B-movie horror film, he said, We encountered Organism 46B on our first day. It disabled our radio, which we later learned, to our alarm, was intentional. (sighs) It is also able to paralyze prey from a distance of up to 150 feet by releasing its venom into the water. Tragically, my colleague and lifelong friend was killed this way. 
Oh no! He tread water wearing a blissful smile as the organism approached him. We watched helplessly as it, body horror, I'm very sorry, used its arms to tear off his head, then popped its remains in its mouth. (gasps) It was as if it had hypnotized him telepathically. (laughs) No! No, I don't want to laugh at the death of a man that's horrible. The 33-foot-long man-eater also boasts extraordinary camouflage that helped it stalk the researchers, including shape-shifting. Okay, cephalopods do have amazing camouflage abilities, but it's not shape-shifting. Okay, wait till you hear more then. Dr. Padalka said, The shape-shifting capabilities of Organism 46B sound almost diabolical. (laughs) Almost. Almost. It shaped itself into the form of a human diver, which is, again, almost (laughs) diabolical. (laughs) We thought it was one of my colleagues swimming toward us in scuba gear. By the time the closest scientist has realized what it was, it had grabbed him and torn him to bits. Oh my god. He revealed the octopus could also- It was a squid and now it's, it's an octopus. I don't- It has 14 legs. It's definitely not an octopus. Anyway. It's not an octopus. He revealed the octopus could also use its tentacles to kill even after they had been hacked off its body. Oh, like a like a worm situation. hmm Yeah. Dr. Padalka claimed another of his colleagues was killed by a tentacle many hours after slicing it off with an axe. He said, oh, later that night, it slithered across the ice bank and strangled her. After five days battling the animal, the (laughs) remaining scientists finally trapped Organism 46B in a tank. They brought it to the surface, but were shocked when it was seized by Russian officials who told the waiting international press nothing had been found. Hey, Alex. Yeah? We've, I've got a couple things, but most notably, honestly, is that I'm getting the feeling that after a hundred and change episodes, I'm finally going to bust out a Russian accent on this one. I wish you would. (laughs) But also, I don't want to make light of what sounds like a very harrowing ordeal, but do you get the feeling that maybe some of this has been perhaps exaggerated just a little bit? Well, you know what, Addison, I'm glad you brought this up, (laughs) because... Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. Normally, like we have a, a sort of credo on this show where we um, we try very hard to at least maintain the energy of coming into this space and choosing actively to believe the things that we are talking about. But um, with this particular one, I feel like I've sort of thrown that out the window and I apologize. It's, listen, I'm not <laughs> saying Organism 46B doesn't exist. I'm just saying this particular account raises some questions. This account of Organism 46B. Now listen. Whatever version of this Dr. Padalka went through, it was very clearly traumatizing. So I do not fault Dr. Padalka for not being able to remember the details necessarily so clearly. I think it's also very possible that, um, you know, if, for example, the Russian government has seized the real organism 46B, that they would want to make this uh, this particular individual look like an untrustworthy source. And I'm not sure, like, I don't know what lengths they would go to to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And also, just like, side note, it is not unheard of for people to be killed by squids. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I read Sphere. Oh, I was going to say, outside of a Michael Crichton novel, um, there is a... (laughs) Okay, well, why would we talk about that world? Because I've never read a Michael Crichton novel. (laughs) There is a, uh, there is a uh, particular variety of squid. Humboldt squids are extremely territorial and extremely aggressive and have been known to kill people. Can they shapeshift into the form of a human diver? 
Okay, listen, I don't know about that, but I do know that... <laughs> I do know that squids and sort of other squid adjacent creatures like cuttlefish have really excellent camouflage capabilities. Like some that do mm-hmm. truly seem to at some points tread into the realm of science fiction. Like if you've sure. ever seen, particularly cuttlefish, if you've ever seen videos of cuttlefish, um, I don't remember the name of the cells in their skin that allow them to do this, but if you've ever seen them shifting colors, oh, it's it does so cool. look it doesn't look real. It is real, but it does not look real. So I'm just saying, I'm saying it's a little bit wild, but knowing what I know about animals in this kind of, uh, in this kind of like area, like this kind of area in this family, so to speak, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, family in a colloquial sense, not a scientific sense. Uh, uh, they, I don't put it past them completely. It's just, it's just a lot to imagine that they have evolved to impersonate human beings. Yeah, and that, that much is very, very, very much. I won't pretend that doesn't terrify me. Second question, can I option the film rights to this article? I wish that you would. Um, so we, we're going to talk more about Organism 46B. But Good. first, before we get into any of that, I want to give you some backgrounds on Lake Vostok itself. Mm. Or Lake Vostok. Lake Vostok. Um, because it will sort of provide some context for the rest of this story. Da, tell me more about the squids. Da, Lake Vostok. Do you know what Vostok means? In Russian? No, I do not. So I like, only remember Russian <laughs> word for cat. Koshka. <laughs> I read the other day that there are like very many Russian words for cat. There are, but like the the like basic one right. is Koshka. But like the way that, you know, we all talk about like, oh, Greek has so many words for love. Like Russian has yeah. so many words for cat. And I think that's beautiful. It's not unlike the fa- the way that we have like cat, kitty cat. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, sure. And a whole bunch of different variants. Anyway, <laughs> I studied abroad in Moscow. Hair flip. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell us more about that. Um, Lake Vostok just means Lake East. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds a lot more sinister in Russian. It is the nature of the tongue. Da. Da. Anyway, Lake Vostok is the largest of Antarctica's almost 400 known subglacial lakes. Lake Vostok is located at the southern pole of cold. <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) Beneath Russia's Vostok Station, under the surface of the central East Antarctic Ice Sheet, which is at 3,488 meters above mean sea level, the surface of this freshwater lake is approximately 4,000 meters under the surface of the ice, which places it at approximately 500 meters below sea level. So it is subglacial. It is underneath a glacier. It is also underneath the uh, actual mean sea level. So it is a subterranean lake. That is, when you speak in numbers that large, like, that many meters is unfathomable to me. So I have to, at a certain point, just sort of nod along and go, yes, absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. it's that many. It's so, it's that much. It is also enormous. It is 160 miles long. Oh my by God. About 30 miles wide at its widest point. Um, it covers an area of 12,500 square kilometers, which is about 4,830 square miles. Uh-huh. Uh, which makes it the 16th largest lake by surface area. Oh my god, I'm getting that feeling I get when I see a spider. Um, mm-hmm. That is so much water, and that is, that's a weird thing to say. 
hear me out. I'm like getting, I'm getting my, I'm swallowing my tongue a little bit because I'm getting like a feared. Uh, uh-huh. But that is so much area that I'm starting. It's going to get a little it. bit wilder. Are you okay? Yeah, it's okay. It's just, I'm starting to take it very seriously that there could be things in this water, perhaps like this, perhaps with, di- perhaps with almost diabolical intentions. <laughs> with all near diabolical. So this is going to be sort of my thesis statement for you. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there is nothing in Lake Vostok. I don't know that Organism 46B is as it has been presented to us, but I think it's certainly very likely there is some real creepy stuff down there. Mm-hmm. Please. Anyway, so I, I'm, is, I'm, is good, this, I'm good. I'm good. I've yeah, got my so the 16th, yeah. 16th largest lake by surface area. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it has an average depth of 432 meters, which is about 1,417 feet, and an estimated volume of... 5,400 like cubic kilometers, which is 1,300 cubic miles, <sighs> which makes it the sixth largest lake by volume. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and slap up the Lassophobia content warning on this episode. Yeah, you better. <clears throat> oh, so The lake is divided into two deep basins by a ridge. So there's like a ridge uh, somewhere in the middle of it. Um, the liquid water depth over the ridge is about 200 meters, which is about 700 feet. Um, it's about 400 meters deep in the northern basin and about 800 meters deep in the southern. So this one subglacial lake is divided into like sort of two basins by this ridge in the middle of it. The lake is named after Vostok Station, which is the station above it. East um, which Station. In- yeah, which in turn is named after the Vostok, a like warship, which means east in Russian. Uh, the existence of a subglacial lake in the Vostok region was first suggested by Russian geographer Andrei Kapitsa based on seismic soundings made during the Soviet Antarctic expeditions in 1959 and 1964 to measure the thickness of the ice sheet. So we didn't even know that this lake existed until very recently in the geologic record. Uh, the continued research by Russian and British scientists led by 1993 to the final confirmation of the existence of the lake by J.P. Ridley using laser altimetry. So, as of 1993, uh, we knew for a fact this lake existed and sort of like the scope of it. Now, this lake, because it is a glacial lake or a subglacial lake, um, contains an, like, frankly, unbelievable paleoclimatic record. So the overlying ice in the actual glacier at Vostok Station provides a continuous record of 400,000 years. Although the lake water itself may have been isolated for 15 to 25 million years. That's too many years. Sorry. It's so many years. When I say that, I don't even mean that I'm refusing to believe it it's more just that's me tipping you off that you've reached the point where my brain can't process that amount of time no it's literally like impossible to do our brains are not made to do that Mm -hmm. um it's yeah it's a lot uh anyway so here's where it starts to get like very relevant again so on uh february 5th 2012 a team of russian scientists completed the longest ever ice core of 3768 meters and pierced the ice shield to the surface of the lake so they like pierced 12,400 feet down to reach the surface of the lake. Wow. Which is wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that itself is an intensive process of like ice drilling where you are like extracting cores of ice and you can use that stuff to like analyze uh, paleoclimatic data over, in this case, 400,000 years, which is wild. Um, but the process you go through, like you uh, have to pierce and... Um, 
then remove like ice and then like use stuff to keep it from refreezing and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like a lengthy process. But in any case, um, this 2012 Russian expedition did happen. Factually, there was right. a 2012 expedition of Russian scientists to Lake Vostok that did drill down through the ice and pierce it. Okay. That, that much of the story is factually 100% true, like indisputable. As to the facts of like what actually happened on that expedition, accounts vary. <laughs> so that is the, the expedition in question that we are talking about when we are talking about Dr. Padalka's story and the existence of Organism 46B. Okay. All right. But anyway, I just, I just do want to make it clear that like that the expedition itself is, is real. It did happen. Scientists did go there. So like that much of it is not dismissible. Right. Absolutely. Let's visit our good friend, the cryptids wiki. Oh, I always love to. To talk about the page on Organism 46B. <clears throat> the creature designated Organism 46B. I just love that name so much. I know, it's very official. Was an aquatic beast allegedly captured by a Russian scientific team near the research outpost of Vostok Station. Organism 46B was an enormous 33-foot-long, 14-tentacled, squid-like creature which lived in Lake Vostok, a subglacial lake located under two miles of ice beneath Vostok Station in the Antarctic. The animal had limbs which were animate and aggressive, even after amputation, could release a toxin into the water to immobilize its prey from a distance of up to 150 feet. Jeez. Displayed an astonishing degree of shape-shifting. I want to know what a, like, normal amount of shape-shifting would be. I guess I'm assuming it's, like, the baseline of other cephalopods. I don't know. At this point, I guess, I but, like, say... do we consider that shape-shift? Like, I don't... It just... Something about the freeze, an astonishing degree of shapeshifting. Well, octopi is like kind of can shapeshift. Like, it's not I an mean, octopus, but I've talked about this before. An octopus can squeeze through any opening that is the size of its beak or larger because its brain yeah. folds around its esophagus the way that it does. It's donut shaped. I know. It's wild. Yeah, so it can sort of shift its shape, for lack of a better way to express it, but I know what you, sh I know what you mean. It's like, where does that line... <laughs> Yeah, like when do we stop calling it contortionism and when do we start calling it? Is Bill Skarsgård a shapeshifter? Is shapeshifter, right. Like that's a valid question. Is is Doug Jones a shapeshifter? Oh, absolutely. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page. I don't believe that's, that's not makeup. The same. That can't be makeup. That's just Doug Jones. But to be fair, that is also an astonishing degree of shapeshifting. You're correct. Um, so um, I'm just uh -huh. saying, I don't think there's a degree of shapeshifting, which is not astonishing. Mm -hmm. I, I will say that when you break it down the way that this has, without the kind of sensationalist, uh, mm -hmm. dare I say, cinematic language, it, it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds like a lot of these traits are collections of traits that are not unreasonable for some kind of squid to have. Like, yeah. Like, secreting a paralytic, it's not a squid, but, like, deep-sea creatures do do that. I mean, that's how mm -hmm. jellyfish work a lot of the time. Like, uh, thing, like, either acting directly as a paralytic or something similar on their prey. Like, that's obviously, like, changing, shifting shape and changing color is very much a th common thing in a lot, of a lot of ocean life. Like, it's not, when you phrase it in this very simple list, it doesn't sound that wild. Yeah, now this list does also leave out the um, the squid hypnosis. Now that's the thing. <laughs> well, because I guess here's the thing about that for me, is if it already has a paralytic agent of some kind, it doesn't seem like it would also need hypnosis. That seems like overkill. Yeah, you didn't need to put hypnosis in your story. It seems like overkill, right? Like if 
I'm assuming the hypnosis would be to stop the prey from moving, but if it already has secretes a paralytic, you don't mm-hmm. need, yeah. you don't need the... The hypnosis is extremely unnecessary. Like, the squid only has his hypnosis power so he can, like, do it as a, at parties, like it's a party trick. <laughs> Make people cluck like a chicken when the squid claps its tentacles together three times. Yes, that would be pretty wild. Yeah, be pretty crazy, I don't know. Well, anyway. Anyway. Um... It also shows a considerable degree of both hostility and intelligence. I don't know that it's fair to consider it hostility. I mean, if you had been, like, living completely, like, I think from Organism 46B's standpoint, this is a home invasion movie. Yes. You're hanging out in your subglacial lake. No one has ever bothered you down there on account of it's a 400,000 year old lake and you're a giant squid. And humans can't go there. So you're totally just like living your life, existing in, in bliss. Who knows? Like probably catching up on your podcast. <laughs> and all of a sudden something starts drilling through your ceiling. Oh, it's horrifying. I hate this is where my brain And then just they went. just keep coming. So you got to home alone that, you know? Oh, it's, oh, absolutely. I will say that my brain just, because it's, I've been poisoned by being online and just being who I am for as long as I have. My brain went, the last squid on earth was alone in a subglacial lake. There was a knock at the door. Oh my God. <laughs> that two sentence horror story, you know, the original, you get it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. It's the same as when people talk about shark infested waters. And I always want to grab them by the shoulders and shake them and go, we infest the waters. That is their house. <laughs> Whomst infested the waters? Excuse me? (laughs) Sharks do not infest. They live there. That's like saying human infested suburb, except that's more accurate. I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, exactly. I said it and then I felt it. Yeah. Yeah, they are human infested. (laughs) Wasp nests. Ayo. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so good. Okay. Uh, Okay, so under the sightings uh, department on the cryptids wiki, there is in fact one sighting. There is the one, the one sighting, which we have already discussed. But let's let's hear it from cryptids' standpoint. It's a little bit less sensationalized, as you already picked up on. Oh, please. I want a fair and balanced report of the giant squid attack. (laughs) Of Organism 46B. Vostok Station, established by the Soviets in 1957 was discovered to have been sighted atop a vast body of liquid water beneath the ice in 1974, which was subsequently named Lake Vostok after the station. After 30 years of ice core drilling, the research team finally breached through to the lake on 5th February of 2012. This, the only encounter, must have occurred sometime between then and the 30th of November 2016, when the story first broke. Although exact dates have so far proven impossible to track down. Weird. Dr. Anton Badalka claims to have been part of the first scientific expedition to explore the lake... Um, it's the same quote as from the other article, so et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Later, while diving in the lake, the group were attacked, the creature releasing its venom, which took hold of one of them. The organism then proceeded to kill and eat him. Still later, 46B stalked the group, displaying its shape-shifting ability. Escaping the creature, a member of the team managed to lop off one of 46B's tentacles, although the severed limb attacked the group again. After finally trapping the creature in a tank, the surviving members of the team brought it to the surface, where they claim Russian officials seized the beast and told the international press that nothing had been found. So, as you and I have already sort of picked up on, elements of this report suggest that this was something of a hoax. For example, not only is it extremely far-fetched, but, and here's where science gets in the way, Ice core drilling typically produces a passage only a few inches in diameter, certainly not large enough to transport a person through two miles of ice. 
is the other thing we need to remember here. Never mind a tank capable of containing a 33-foot-long aquatic creature. So there's that. Fair. You know. <laughs> Which is valid. Moreover, the extreme pressures would have made many parts of this implausible. Again, it is under two miles of ice. <laughs> Example one, the first casualty could not have been affected by the toxin, as the only way to survive at such pressures in water would be to be within a pressurized vessel, or suit. Thus, there would be no contact with any toxins in the water. On that note, I think that probably, like, if you were wearing a pressurized suit, there are toxins that could permeate that. I, I, I'm willing to give a little bit of flexibility on that, especially if it's, you know, a species that exists way, way, way down under, where they're probably would be evolved to, you know, prey on creatures that were also adapted to such pressures and environments. I don't know. Maybe their toxin is designed to get through particularly thick hides or oh, yeah. um, tough skins or what have you. Um, example two, though. Or to take down other massive creatures. Exactly. Where's organism 47B? Oh, God. It just keeps going. <laughs> also, why is it a bee? Eh, the bee is for squid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't really mind because it allows me to, when I inevitably uh, acquire the film rights to that article, uh, it allows me to title it, It Came From Bee Hyphen Neath the Ice. Uh, get out. It's going to be a real bee movie. Okay. Uh, the second casualty was tricked by an image of a human diver in scuba gear. However, a human would have been killed had he been in scuba gear, meaning it should have been somewhat suspicious of an unprotected human in such a pressurized environment. Wait, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Another inconsistency involves the fact that the ice directly above the water in the lake is actually formed from lake water itself. This was why the drilling team realized that there was an underground lake in the first place. This means that there is no space between the water and the ice, and thus no ice shelf to set up camp on. Ahaha. Uh -huh. Alright. However, uh -huh. it is certainly possible that the team was doing more than drilling core samples. Such as? <laughs> Another point to note is that Dr. Well, you know, no example given, but maybe they were sent there to locate something of this nature. If they are a team of Russian scientists and their find was um, acquired by the Russian government as soon as they got back to the surface. Oh. I mean, I don't know what they would have been doing there, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they were sent there to maybe do something a little bit more suspicious than collect climate data. Ooh, haha. Another point to note is that Dr. Padalka has so far proven impossible to locate. Although this may be due to his being in hiding. Mm. Really makes you think. It really does make you think. I, I really, I, I try not to be too much of a scully most of the time, but uh, <laughs> I have some, I do, I do have some queries and some questions and some qualms, but. Oh yeah, 100%. But also, how interesting. Is there, is there more out there about Organism 46B or? So this is the only account. No, yeah, of um, course. So there are other like um, there are other sites that report on it. Um, it's pretty much all going to come around to the same sort of information. Right. But it's interesting to hear like different takes on it. Um, and there's a lot of sort of editorializing, which is very fun. Of course, there is, <laughs> including some of them that get into like sort of the the scary what ifs of like, okay, but what if the Russian uh, government does have one mm -hmm. of these? Because it's like. Um, one member of the octopus and squid family typically lays about 20,000 eggs in one season. Ah, zdrasvice, comrade squid. 
<laughs> Though many of them usually end up becoming a fish or tortoise's breakfast, imagine if they were properly protected and then deposited in the waters of other countries. This is, I'm just gonna do like, I, I'm trying to think, what other Russian words do I know? <laughs> like, when you walk into the lab and you see that your captured massive monster squid has laid 20,000 eggs and you go, ah, хорошо, comrade squid. That means good. Comrade squid. Good. Love it. Pajalista, lay some more eggs for us. I went like vampire voice. What is that? I keep doing it. It was, it was pretty it's powerful. It's been too long since I've like watched Glow or been in Russia because my Russian accent's turning very like the Count from Sesame Street. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. One egg, <laughs> two eggs. This is three in no eggs. way to imply ah, that ah, Russians ah. are vampires. <laughs> Six years later, 19,999. I didn't realize that Octopi laid that many eggs. That's really upsetting and I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> so there's also troubling. that. So, you know, I, there's one other article I would like to read you on this because one, the narration of this particular article is very wonderful. And then the comment section is deeply delightful. Please. So I think that would be a fun note to end on. Um, so... This is from steamit.com, S-T-E-E-M-I-T dot C-O-M. All right, don't steam it, although I'm sure you, I mean, you can steam squid, but... Mmm, delicious. <laughs> yum, 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 we're having steamed clams. <laughs> oh, I thought you said... Okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the truth behind Organism 46B. Oh, I want to know. Finally. Finally. Why did I get to this article last? Alex, come on. <laughs> I should have just skipped right to this one. Okay. <clears throat> Out of our planet's seven continents, Antarctica is certainly the most mysterious. Which is a fair statement. It's an area that's been really rather closed off to research, on account of its sub-zero temperatures making it uninhabitable for humans. <laughs> this is not supposed to be funny, I don't think, but I think it's hysterical. No, it is. Wildlife is, wildlife is still in abundance, however, with seals, polar bears, and... A supermassive killer octopus or squid species? <laughs> yes! Yes! You read that correctly. <laughs> it's a topic that's pretty popular with conspiracy theorists and even some certain scientists. The name for this giant killer octopus is Organism 46B, and it's been caught wreaking havoc indiscriminately around the icy waters of Antarctica. <laughs> indiscriminately one time honestly i will say i appreciate that <laughs> organism 46b doesn't discriminate <laughs> in this day and age it's nice to see uh, <laughs> it's like that shirt that says like i'm not biased i hate everyone equally except it's like i'm not biased i ate everyone equally <laughs> <laughs> oh no i don't want to believe that organism 46b is like that kid in middle school who's too into south park Oh my god. Um, I just love the, it's been caught wreaking havoc indiscriminately. It, the one like, time. Okay, there, there, was, there was one account. In this article, we'll explain more about Organism 46B, what it actually is, Ooh. how it operates, and what theories are circulating about it. I love that this article is like really, really decisive about the fact that they are the like leading authority on Organism 46B. Yeah, what is it actually? Tell me. <laughs> So what is Organism 46B? Well, scientists have found themselves completely stumped on what to call this creature. So naturally, this internet article is going to set them straight. Of course. 
It's an elephantine type of animal that is certainly in the octopus or squid family. Measuring in at 33 feet long and weighing almost one ton, this 14 tentacle organism is truly what underwater nightmares are made of. However, there isn't just one. What? Plot twist, I know. Threw that one on ya. There appears to be a small family of them, which would make them a species all their own. Organism 46B definitely packs one of the meanest punches in all of marine life. Understatement. It has the capacity to somehow telepathically hypnotize and then immobilize its prey from over 150 feet away. Why does it need the... Okay, whatever, 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 whatever. <laughs> we gotta keep going. It's a rather hostile creature, even when it's not dinner time, too. When Russian military went exploring in Lake Vostok, they encountered this animal and noted that it purposefully disabled their radio systems just because it could. <laughs> Sorry. One member of that exploring team unfortunately met his fate by way of Organism 46B. Uh. Treading water with a smile one moment and the next his arms and legs were being torn off only for his torso to be popped into the sea monster's mouth just like a piece of popcorn. Oh my god. The rest of the team was utterly defenseless against such a large and dangerous creature, but they did notice that before it attacked, it appeared to shapeshift into the form of a large school of fish. What? Because of this extraordinary display of shapeshifting, the okay. Russian military diving team didn't think twice about entering the frigid water. So here's the thing. The rest of the team was defenseless against them, but noticed that it shapeshifted into a school of fish. But then because of that, they didn't think twice about entering the water? I thought that was like a different group that was like on the surface and then they went down and got it. Like they mean the scientists were defenseless, but the military came in to get it. But also, when did the school of fish thing come up? I didn't hear that it, in the other it account. It was not in the other account. So I don't know if um, steamit.com knows something or someone we don't. This mm, could maybe. be Dr. Padalka himself. <gasps> Doctor. Doctor, please. After the tragedy befell them, the diving team attempted to attack Wordism 46B by hacking off some of its tentacles. Unfortunately for them, later that evening as they were resting, the tentacles that they had cut off found their way onto the land and, hate this sentence, strangled one of the females on the diving team. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Um, What's the conspiracy here? Well, <laughs> get the feeling you're going to tell me. <laughs> Believe it. <laughs> oh my god. I won't. Okay. <clears throat> After the Russian diving team had spent five grueling days trying to trap Organism 46B, they were eventually successful. They brought the creature to the surface in a tank that was the size of a small ship. However, when the creature was presented to Russian military officials, it was quickly seized. Russian officials told the dive team to never speak of it again and that it actually didn't exist. <laughs> Which is wild <laughs> i get telling them not to speak of it or saying that like as far as anyone else is concerned it doesn't yeah. exist but to just say actually that thing you brought us isn't real that's like that's gaslighting on a level i've not previously heard like no the, they're like oh, that you is saw bold. that you didn't <laughs> the giant squid that you just handed to me it's not real you know the that's one like, that you saw murder your friend <laughs> that's like a thing that and a um Shout out to any of my fellow public school educators out here. There's a thing that middle schoolers do, which is wild, which is you will look straight at them and make eye contact as they do a thing they're not supposed to be doing. And then you'll look at them and say, why did you do that thing? And they'll say, I didn't. And it's like, I just watched you. You watched me watch you. What is wrong with you? Ugh, children. Anyway. Oh, the youths. They were told it actually didn't exist. Inside Intelligence has stated that Russia plans to breed these and use them as enormous weapons in case of a war outbreak. You know, an outbreak of war. 
I don't know why the phrase war outbreak is so awkward to me. Like, why don't you just say war? Yeah. You could just say weapons in case of a war. A war outbreak. You don't have to say a war outbreak. We've had an outbreak There's of wars war. popping up everywhere. <laughs> oh, no. It's not a, like... Like, don't get me wrong, it is a disease, but it's not a disease, you know what I mean? Like, you can't, like, it doesn't just, it doesn't just pop up, it doesn't just happen. Anyway. This is something that could prove to be not only highly effective as a weapon, but also extremely horrific. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Then it goes on to talk about the thing about 20,000 eggs, which is just so much. Um, all in all, many major news sources have debunked this theory and have produced many articles, videos, and television shows stating that it is a hoax. However... Considering the amount of devastating power that lies in the 14 tentacles of Organism 46B, it's understandable that militaries all over the world would want to keep this potential weapon under wraps. Just a bit more digging on the internet can show you much more information that actually supports the theory of the existence of Organism 46B in ways that other media outlets will not show you. But are these media sources that claim to be truthful actually being honest? The vigor in which the evidence is shown, paired with the extensive list of sources they cite, certainly makes them appear that way. But only you can know what you truly believe. It's a weird world, and it never hurts to conduct the proper amount of research. This, um, this entry is tagged with tag blog, tag science, tag nature, tag life, tag horror. Well, yeah. Hashtag science. <laughs> Love it. And then there are, um, there are two quotes or there are two comments in this comment section which i love very much the first one says well written article to be honest i am always skeptical when i read stories about sea monsters with abilities that science has not yet officially classified but as you said it's a weird world we live in <laughs> they're right it is <laughs> and then there's just there's one reply to it which is from the op which says it sure is smiley face <laughs> Sure is. <laughs> that makes me lose my mind. I just, I love the quote. <laughs> to be honest, I'm always skeptical when I read stories about sea monsters with abilities that science is not yet officially confirmed, but, you know, like you said, it's a weird world. It's, it's a weird Also, world I'm always living. skeptical because they do this a lot. <laughs> oh. Every time man. I read an article about a sea monster with the abilities scientists have yet to confirm. <laughs> It feels like every single time I look up an article, I see a new article come across my feed with a giant sea monster that has abilities, which science has yet to confirm. I, I kind of get the feeling like maybe not this one, but something about the way that you proposed this one, steamit.com, really, uh, really makes you think. Really makes you think, doesn't it? Was it was a well-written article. <laughs> like a piece of popcorn. <laughs> I'm not over that yet. Anyway. Uh... Oh, please never be over it. Um, so that's all I've got for you on Organism 46B. Uh, if you Google it, you can certainly find many more articles. They all come up with the same information, but as you can tell, people do sure like to put their own spin on it. I like Organism 46B. I don't like that it supposedly has killed some people. That's not good. Don't endorse Again, that behavior. it was a Home Alone situation. Yes, but at the same time... It's the Macaulay Culkin of squids. Okay, but... Now, to be fair, if Home Alone were real, those burglars would be very, very, very dead. But mm -hmm. they do not, in fact, die in the film. 
Oh, true. Also, um, Kevin McAllister does not paralyze them from 150 feet away and then feast on their flesh. Oh, God, what if he could? Wait, sorry, stop it, stop it, stop everything. I'm writing it. Nobody talk to me. Nobody touch me. Nobody look at me until I finish the Ad- script. Addison's, Addison's Organism 46B movie treatment has suddenly switched genres. Nobody look at me. Nobody speak to me for the next 48 hours. I'm going to write this treatment. Oh my god. You know that some film school student somewhere has done what they think is extremely clever by reimagining Home Alone as a home invasion horror Oh, they film. absolutely have. But it's only um, a clever reimagining if Kevin McAllister can paralyze the burglars from 150 feet. <laughs> With his poisonous venom. <laughs> and his hypnotic telekinesis. <laughs> or telepa- telepathy. <laughs> Tele- telepathy. Yeah, come on. Credit work, credit Sorry, sorry. You. Let's be realistic here. In all seriousness, I have a class tomorrow that's a feature workshop and I am currently I've been writing a different uh I've been developing a different film but what if I just write this treatment and come in tomorrow to my class and go you know I've actually pivoted to a different project (laughs) listen I know um I really appreciate everybody's feedback last class and I've incorporated it in a way that I think you're really gonna enjoy (laughs) so here's my completely rewritten reimagined um like 180 degree turn mm-hmm. pivot to um kevin McAllister as a squid yeah you know how i was writing a gothic fairy tale about fairy rings how about instead how about instead hear me out hear me out i write i write this movie where macaulay culkin plays a squid <laughs> and i want to set it up bringing it full circle baby like the ginger dead man it will be a felt puppet of a squid voiced by macaulay culkin <laughs> I like that the squid needs to be voiced. <laughs> um, duh. How else is he going to express his opinions and make quips as he viciously murders his burglars? Here's the thing. What if you take it one step further? What if you give the squid all of Macaulay Culkin's original lines from Home Alone, even though the rest of the action does not match up with it whatsoever? Oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> Buzz, I'm in your room. <laughs> no i love it so much i want to incorporate one beat from home alone 2 lost in new york he's gonna get into a stretch limousine but instead of a large cheese pizza he holds the dis the dismembered (laughs) torso of one of of joe pesci tim curry is still absolutely there i'm sorry to joe pesci for what i just tim curry is is dr padalka oh yes yes (laughs) oh my (laughs) this movie has evolved so significantly even in the 30 seconds we've been working. i can't wait i can't wait to write this treatment tonight and turn it (laughs) into my professor tomorrow um in all seriousness my my uh my feature workshop professor is a very wonderful and very strange german woman in her 60s and she would probably love this yeah she um i think you should ask her about organism 46 b see what she knows i will see what she knows because she says like very wild things just out of nowhere in that class a lot uh and and they vary a lot. I can't think of like a very good specific one right now, except for the time that we were talking about uh, like existentialism and like sense of self, because it has to do with the theme and the thing that I'm writing. And she goes like, mm-hmm. she was specifically said the phrase, why do we take selfies to remind ourselves that we exist? And I was like, damn, you right. <laughs> Whoa. Maybe she's Dr. Padalka. I love her. She's my favorite professor. It's fine. Uh, hey, Dr. Padalka, if you're out there... Um, you want to teach my film class? No. 
<laughs> Two wolves. Um, maybe Dr. Fidelka's <laughs> already on our Patreon. Oh my god, maybe. Dr. Fidelka might be in our Discord, actually. Dr. Fidelka, if you're in the Discord, you don't have to say that it's you, but just put, after this episode goes live, a little octopus emoji. <laughs> so that we know. So that we know. Do it real quick, though, before anybody else listens, so that we're the only ones who know what goes <laughs> do on. Do it real fast, and then delete it. <laughs> Just do it, do it real fast, and then turn it into, um, like, a, a scuba diver-shaped emoji. Oh, my God. Show off your almost diabolical... Turn it into a school of fish. <laughs> I'm okay. Oh, I'm, man. I'm, like, I'm dissolving. I'm falling apart. It's so good. Thank you for bringing this. This was exactly what I needed. You're so welcome. Do we have any announcements? We do, actually. We have a, uh, I have a new patron to thank. Oh, great. Um, I would like to thank Heather Ann for donating to our Patreon uh, at the level that earns an on-air thank you. Thank you for your support. It's much appreciated. And thank you to everyone right on. else. Thanks, Heather. For all of your other, like, all of the support you give in all the various ways you give it, whether that be financial, whether that be word of mouth, just tweeting about it, tweeting, uh, like, just listening every week to, or every other week to our voices as we do whatever this is and it's we can't do it well we couldn't do it without you so thank you and uh aside from that and and congratulations for knowing that you've enabled this Mm -hmm. you're welcome uh aside from that i don't have any announcements at this particular point in time except for uh please keep an eye out in theaters in uh probably two or three years allowing for (laughs) development time for uh it came from b hyphen neath the ice which is now a home alone style home invasion thriller (laughs) where Macaulay Culkin voices a felt puppet uh, of a squid. It sounds really powerful. and I'm Puppeteering by Julie Taymor. Okay. Oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, um, another quick announcement. Uh-huh. We are working on some uh, new Patreon content. I know it's been kind oh, of yes. a while. Addison have, uh, yes. has a thing that will be uploaded soon. We did another episode of Spoiler Party, which um, if you are a member of our Patreon currently at the level that gets you bonus episodes, you'll remember Spoiler Party is a little mini series we do where we um, talk about horror it's very specific we talk about horror movies which are currently in theaters at the time of recording that both of us have very strong emotional reactions to and then we sit down and explain an in-depth literary analysis of them as it relates to the reasons why we were crying in the movie yep we did our previous episode on us and our upcoming episode is on it oh that's right all the episodes are also about horror movies in theaters currently with one word titles that are also common verbiage oh my god i also actually just recorded a couple episodes of after Dark with Addison, which is a series I do on our Patreon about various creepypasta characters. I recorded a couple episodes on Jeff the Killer. I'm currently editing. Those should be up nice. very soon. Uh, oh, uh, one more thing is um, thanks to the generosity of friend of the show, Gracie, um, I received a cassette to mp3 converter um and so in the month of october as like a fun little feature i will actually be converting and uploading um i've talked about these before the ghost stories i collected in high school as part of my appalachian culture project oh i'm stoked that's gonna be awesome so those will be very fun. And then one more upcoming Patreon thing we're doing that I know Addison and I've talked a little bit about off air is um, oh. over the holidays when we're both in the same place, we want to do a uh, musical theater karaoke live stream mm-hmm. for Patreon donors. So um, we'll probably be setting up a poll on Patreon. I don't know yet how we'll do this, if it'll be tier restricted or if it'll just be open season for everybody um, where you can submit requests. And um, we'll probably end up coming up with a set list, which is some of us like, some of it will just be songs that we've picked that we want to do that oh, we're yeah. comfortable with. Um, but other than that, man, if you want to, you can you can ask for anything. <laughs> so 
we'll figure we'll that figure out. out. <laughs> and then also, actually, just while we're in the plugging stages of things, this is not Patreon related, but a more personal plug. But I, uh, on the weekend of October 12th, I am going to be doing a uh, charity fundraiser live stream on Twitch uh, to raise money for Planned Parenthood. I will be doing, um, with with several guests, depending on how the, all the scheduling and stuff shakes out, I will be doing a 12-hour stream uh, with readings um, of female horror writers as like a halloween thing but also Heck fundraiser yeah. uh so like stay tuned watch my uh twitter feed and spaces like that for more information as it comes but yeah and keep your eyes peeled because i might uh be having some pretty special guests on there uh so yeah anyway that's everything i have and i think that's all we're all set for the day this has been a very fun episode and as always we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there Pretty, witty, and gay.